All right, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Sean. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome. We're glad that you are here. Uh, we're starting a brand new series uh, this weekend called The Power to Change. Um, let me just test the room, see kind of if this is going to be appropriate for us um, um, this week. So how many of you, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, which is like two weeks, two weeks into the new year now, but at the beginning of the year, you decided there were some things that you wanted to change this year, right? And you actually made, maybe you made a resolution, maybe you said it out loud, maybe you didn't actually make a resolution because you've given up on those things, but in your heart, you knew there were some things you were gonna, hoping to change, um, and now we're two weeks into it. How are you guys doing? Just raise your hands. How, anyone had a, had a resolution you made? Wow, you guys are just, you gave up. Uh, some of you, thank you, thank you. How are you doing? Are you succeeding? Are you still on track? If you are, good job, but know this, that you are in the minority. Um, you know, there, there was a survey done a number of years ago by Inc. Magazine. They surveyed over 200 million Americans. I don't know how they got that number of Americans, but anyway. Uh, and they, they determined that, um, that, that um, of those that made a resolution, made a commitment to change some things in their lives, by the time February rolled around, um, over 90% of them had already abandoned those resolutions. So uh, the vast majority of us, right, um, we'll, we'll make resolutions. We'll have some things in our lives that we want to change, some things that we want to um, add to our lives to improve our lives. Um, but many of us kind of, um, you know, we, we, we end up losing steam we, uh, over those things. And I know if you're anything like me, um, that leads to frustration. Anyone kind of gets frustrated because you want to change, you know there's some things in your life that you need to change, uh, and then you just get really frustrated uh, because you can't do it. So let, let me just let you into my, 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 my undisciplined world. Uh, so I, I, a couple of years, about a year and a half ago, maybe a little longer now, I broke my elbow. Before then, I was actually, I was working out quite a bit because I knew that I, need, I wanted to be in shape and so that I could uh, keep doing what, I, what, what God has called me to do. And if I'm you know, unhealthy and unable to do that, I don't have the energy for it. But then I broke my elbow and things kind of just went south and I, I just stopped working out. And I found myself sitting on the couch a lot, just eating hugging dust. That's really good. It's good medication, right? I, instead of working out, you know, just eat ice cream. That seems like it makes sense to me. Um, but then I determined at the, at the end of the year, I was like, this year I'm getting back into the gym. I'm going to start getting back into shape again. And so uh, I knew I wasn't ready to go into the gym because that's a little too much pressure. So I made myself like this little workout area in my house. I got like, I got some weights together. I got the whole thing together and I put it together and I'm like, beginning of the year, man, I'm on it. Um, and, and then I'd walk by on the second. I was like, okay, tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm on it, man. Tomorrow, I'm there. Um, and, and then the next day, man, this is the day I'm going to start. I'm going to start. Um, we're, what, two weeks into the year? Guess how many times I've worked out so far? Zero. Zero. Not once. So pray for me. Pray for me. I need help, right? I need help. I need the power to change, right? Um, and so, and then I, I don't know about you, then I start, like, I get down on myself. I'm like, like, seriously, dude? What's the matter with you? Like, I mean, what on earth, right? I have a plan. I've got the whole thing worked out. I even got like a little notebook and I've got the whole thing. And then like every, every like sort of day I walk by and I just don't do it, right? And then I get frustrated and I get angry and I start feeling guilty and I start, Anyone kind of relate to that? Well, here's the good news, right? If you can relate to any of this, um, you're not alone, right? You're not alone. So that's the good news. Like we're in this together. I think many of us, we have really great intentions to change, but we just don't know how sometimes to produce the results of change. And uh, not only are we not alone, but um, 
One of the most probably influential Christians that there's ever been, second maybe only to Jesus himself, right? And the, the guy who really, uh, he wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament, incredibly man of incredible influence and power and impact in his life. He understood this, right? And, and so um, I'm so grateful that the Apostle Paul, right, in his struggle to change and be the person that God created him, he was honest enough to acknowledge that sometimes, you know, you want to change, you have great intentions, but you just don't have the power to change. And so in Romans chapter 7, Paul writes this. He says this. He says, I don't really understand myself. I could just stop there, right? I mean, like, yeah, like who does, right? We don't understand ourselves, right? But sometimes we're a mystery to ourselves, right? He says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it, right? I don't do it. Instead, I actually do what I hate. I end up sitting on the couch eating Hungerdus ice cream and then feeling guilty about it and feeling kind of shame because I'm just not the man that God created me to be, right? And then he goes on to say, oh, what a miserable man that I am, right? What a miserable person that I am. Right? Anyone kind of relate to that kind of? I know certainly that's kind of been my, my story. Like, like what on earth, Sean? Like, I, I, I know better. I, I have a plan. I have an intention. But I just can't seem to produce the results of change that I know God wants for my life, that I want for my life, right? And unfortunately, I think this is where many of us find ourselves, where we kind of we get stuck, right? And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of sick and tired of being stuck. I'm kind of sick and tired of being sick and tired of being stuck. So, uh, you know, how do we actually change, right? And so what I discovered, is, and I think this is true for many of us, and, and may I even suggest to you that we have the, the right intention. I think for those of us in Christ, we know that God has called us to be a certain way, right? To be the kind of people um, that would reflect His image into the world. Um, and, and so we have all the right intention, but oftentimes we take the wrong strategy. We have the wrong strategy when it comes to change, right? We try to change, but we're trying to change in the wrong way. So over the next six weeks, my hope is as we spend time kind of looking at, at, at what the Bible teaches us, um, this process of change, uh, that we will learn to to, to to uh, 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 access a, a, a power that is beyond us, um, that is truly a supernatural power to really make the changes in our life. Uh, this series that we're going we're gonna to be in for the next six weeks is based on a book by Pastor Craig Groeschel, The Power to Change, Mastering the Habits that Matter Most. Uh, we had a bunch of those um, for sale, but they've already kind of sold out. Uh, you can find them at wherever you like to buy books. Um, that's where you'll find them. We'll have more at the book cart um, later this week. So um, if you want to hang out, you can, we can buy them. Just so you know, I don't get any kickbacks from buying these books. So I just this has been really helpful for me. So my hope is it's going to be helpful for all of us. And so let me give you a little bit of a blueprint where we're going to go over the next six weeks. Um, this week, I'm going to lay a foundation for us. Um, I'm going to speak to those of us who are kind of sick and tired, have been sick and tired and wanting to change, but just really don't have any handles on how to do that. And so my hope is we'll lay a foundation for that. And then over the next uh, six weeks, we'll kind of build up on that. So week two, we're going to talk about the power of identity. And this may well be the most important message of all of them, week two. So come back for week two, because we're going to say, we're going to talk about something that is so important if we're truly going to be the people that God has called us to be, is um, understanding how identity Identity really is, is the source of, of, of much of our behavior because you do what you do because of what you think about you, right? That, that's, that's why you do what you do is because of your, your, the, 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 the truths that you believe are true about you. So we're going to talk about that, a very powerful message. So come back next week, all right? Next week's the message you really want to be at. Actually, actually, week three is the message you really want to be at. So week three, we're going to talk about the power of habits and what we're going to discover from the Scripture because the Scripture gives us a lot of these practices 
practices that it, it calls us to weave into our lives. And we get to discover what Scripture has talked about thousands of years ago. Neuroscience is actually discovering to be true today. So the power of habits is going to be a great message. So come back week three. That's really the message of the week you want to come back for. But week four, really, week four is really the message, right? We're going to talk about the power of breaking uh, the, the, the cycles of the past, right? So many of us um, are, are informed by what our parents told about us, whether it's positive or good, what, what people said about us, and all these things that we believe to be true about ourselves, how they impact our, our present and sometimes will impact our future. And so we're going to talk about the power of breaking some of those cycles, especially the negative ones. And then in week five, really, which is for me, right, week five, really, this is, this is honestly, you know, I'm being serious here. Week five is what gives you real handles on all of this, right? Week five, we're going to talk about the power of training versus trying. Right? And the scriptures replete with our encouragements to train in righteousness. And we're going to talk about the power of training versus just simply trying to be different. And then in week uh, six, we're going to talk about the power of sowing versus and reaping. And so uh, all of these messages are going to be really good. And I'm convinced that, that, that this message um, over the course of the next six weeks is going to give us um, uh, access to some real influent power to change our lives and to be the kind of people that God has created us to be. So um, my hope is that you're not going to miss any of these. Uh, so today what I want to do is, like I said, I want to lay a foundation. I want to give you kind of the central idea of, uh, of this entire series. This is kind of what we're going to be building on over the next six weeks. And so here, here's the uh, big idea, so you can, uh, you can jot this down. Real change is not found in behavior modification. Real change is found in spiritual transformation. Right, let me say that again. Real change is not found in behavior modification. Real change is found in spiritual uh, transformation. It's not simply changing what you do on the outside. It's allowing God to change us from the inside out, right? It, it, it's, it's spiritual transformation. This is why the Apostle Paul writes, he says, I don't want to do what, what is, uh, sorry, I want to do what is right, but I can't. Right? I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Anyone kind of relate to that? And then, and then he asks this really powerful question. He says this, who will free me? Right? Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then look what he says. Right? This is where the power of change resides. He says, thank God. Someone say, thank God. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord, right? And, and so here what, what Paul is saying, real change is not found simply in changing your external behaviors. Real change is allowing God to change us on the inside. It's about spiritual transformation. And so my hope is over the next few weeks, uh, we'll show you how oftentimes as Christians, we have uh, the right intentions, but we often go about this process of change in the wrong way. Um, so th there, are, there are a number of mindsets that really kind of impact the way we view change. And so I'm going to give you um, three very powerful mindsets that we often adopt as Christians. Two of them are wrong. Two of them are actually dangerously wrong, and one of them is correct. So let, let's, let's start with some of these mindsets, right? So the first wrong mindset or belief is this, God, then me. I want to change, so it's, it's God saves me, right? He redeems me. He, he has given me the destination of heaven one day, and then it's like God says, okay, well, good luck with the rest of your life. Now it's all up to you. 
So it kind of real change, kind of sometimes we have this mindset that it's God, then me, right? And somehow now it's all up to me. God saved me. He's kind of given me a ticket to heaven. And now it's all up to me to get my life together, to figure out how to be the person that God intended to me. And God just kind of backs off and says, hey, good luck with that. Um, so that's a wrong mindset. But unfortunately, many of us kind of adopt that. And, and you'll know kind of like, I don't think we actually would ever say that, God, then me. But, but subconsciously, that's how we live our lives. So if you've ever, um, had a, here's kind of good insight into whether or not you're living with that mindset. If you've ever said, I'm really trying hard, right? I, I'm sick of, of yelling at my kids and being angry all the time, and I've got to manage my anger, and I'm really trying hard to manage my anger so I don't yell at my kids. That really trying hard part, that kind of gutting it out, that's kind of the mindset that God has saved me, um, and now it's all up to me to change uh, the, these negative behaviors that are impacting my life, right? And so th that's kind of a, a good indication that you've kind of adopted, maybe even subconsciously, this, this attitude that it's God, then me. Then it's all up to me. Now, there's another wrong behavior that's kind of on the back side of that, the flip side of that, which is um, God, not me. Right, so it's God, not me. So um, you know, now God has saved me. Now it's all up to God, and so it's it's this relinquishing all our responsibility to God. Uh, maybe this will play out one way where you go like, well, okay, I really hate my job, so I'm going to quit my God job, and now it's up to God to get me another job. I'm like, well, good luck with that, right? You might find yourself unemployed. Uh, that's not the strategy. Like God has given us autonomy in this life, right? He's given us some responsibility in this life, right? And so we don't relinquish all responsibility to God. We, we don't have this mindset that says, you know, God's going to take care of all of it. We actually have a role to play in it. So it's not God, uh, and, and, you know, and, and not me. So it's, it's not God, then me. It's not God, not me. Here's, here, here's the correct mindset, right? This is what we'll see uh, replete throughout the scriptures. Um, it's this mindset that it says, God through me, right? God through me. Everyone say, God through me. God through me. So how do we really change, right? It's not behavior modification, right? It's not simply managing our outward behaviors, but it's allowing the Spirit of God to transform us from the inside out. So I want to show you how the Apostle Paul kind of works this out or recognizes this uh, principle in his writings. Um, Paul's a guy who says, you know, I, I want to change. I know I should change, but I keep going back to these old habits. I, I know there's some things that I ought to do, but, but I just can't seem to get it right. I keep doing the things I don't want to do, right? If you relate to that, I think this, this is really powerful, right? So um, Paul's going to show us this process in, in which we allow the power of God to work through us. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is what the apostle Paul writes. He says, for I am the least of the apostles, which is pretty amazing considering that Paul wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament, right? That, that Paul planted churches all over Asia Minor. I mean, he was not kind of a slouch, right? But Paul says, I am the least of all of the apostles. In fact, he says, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted the church. So yes, Paul's thinking, right? Based on what I know to be true about myself, I don't deserve any of this, right? I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. In fact, I was the one who was like sort of killing Christians in the early days of this whole Christian movement. I, w I stood by as Christians were murdered and executed and, and, and arrested. It's like I am not worthy. I, I have nothing within myself that, that would, would, would qualify me to be an apostle, right? And Paul is not saying this in shame and guilt, right? 
Paul's the same guy who would later write, he says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? This is simply Paul being brutally honest, a brutal, honest evaluation of his personal qualification, right? He's like, I, I, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not worthy. And then Paul says this. This is so powerful, right? Look, listen to this. This is so good. He says this. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Someone say, but by the grace of God. Right, which might well be the most powerful sentence in all of the scriptures. But by the grace of God, you are what you are. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And here's what Paul is saying. This is so powerful. This is kind of the, the, the big idea I want you to walk away. If you don't remember anything I say today, remember this. You are saved by the same grace, right, that changes you. The same grace that saves you is the same grace that changes you. In other words, Paul is saying, it's not because I deserve this. It's not because I'm qualified. In fact, I've done some awful things, right? But God's grace has changed me, right? But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And then listen to what he says. This is so, so perfect. Listen, he says this. No, I worked harder than all of them. Right? So this is kind of the tension, right? Paul's not saying it's God, not me, you know? He's saying, no, 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 I worked harder than all of them. And, and I think if all the other apostles were, were to hear, were in the audience when Paul said that, none of them would have disputed that. They would have like, Paul, you're absolutely right, right? You preached more ferociously, you, you worked harder, you were beaten, and you kept getting up, man. You were shipwrecked, and you kept going, right? You, you were persecuted, but you weren't abandoned. You were struck down, but you just kept getting up. You, you were ferocious in your pursuit of the gospel. Right? None of them would have disputed how hard Paul worked for the sake of the gospel. But then look what Paul says. He says, yet not I. Yet not I, but it was the grace of God that was with me. Right? Yet not I, but it was the grace of God that was with me. He said, in other words, like this was not about all my effort. Right? Yes, I put everything that I had into this. But it was God's grace working through me. In other words, God did something in me. He says, his grace was not without effect, right? The grace of God produced something in me that was way beyond anything that I could have done in, my, in and of my own effort. The same grace, Paul would say, that saved me is the grace that changed me. The same grace that saved me is the grace that changed me. Paul's saying, I brought every bit of energy and effort that I could possibly muster, yet it wasn't just me alone. It was the power of God working through me, right? Real change is not God, then you, right? Real change is not God, not you. Real change is what? Help me out. God what? Through you, right? God through you. So let, let's get practical. Let's try to get some handles on this, right? Some of you are probably thinking, okay, well, pastors, that's great. Uh, you know, tomorrow, uh, you know, I'm going to get back into the office, and they always bring God uh, Komodo's donuts on Monday, and I've been trying to change, and I've been trying to eat right, but I know how this is going to work, right? I'm going to walk past those donuts, and for the first, like, half hour, I'm going to be like, oh, no, 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 I'm, I, I'm taking a new leaf, new change, new me. I'm not going to eat any. The third time I take a trip past those donuts, they're looking a little better. Maybe I'll just have a half a donut. That's all. Just a half a donut, and the next thing you know, you're like having four or five of those big uh, cream-filled, coffee, yummy, you know, all the donuts on the stick, the Melisada ones, you know, those ones, those are awesome. Um, and, and so like, and, and then you're kind of lost. You're kind of like, what on earth, right? All right, so, so here, here's, here, here's the point, like spiritual transformation, right? Spiritual transformation, and this is so important, uh, requires God's power, not willpower, 
right? Spiritual transformation, right? If it was just about behavior modification, right, you could probably muster your willpower to do it for a certain period of time. But I would submit to you, eventually that willpower will run dry. So real change, right, which is not just behavior modification, it's spiritual transformation. It requires God's power, not your willpower. For real change to take place, it has to be a spiritual change, right? It's not just an external behavior thing, but it's an internal transformation from within. So it's going to require God's power. So this is probably how it worked out for some of you this, this year. You kind of woke up on uh, New Year's Eve, and you were like, okay, new year, new me, right? So I'm going to make some, res- uh, so some resolutions here. I want to lose some weight, right? I'm tired of wearing the fat jeans. I'm going to wear the skinny jeans this year. Uh, I'm going for it. And then you get a plan, right? You've got you got like your plan, you got, you got your little like CrossFit box set up at home like I do, or you kind of like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do like, I'm going to run Baldwin Beach, or I'm going to go play pickleball, whatever it is. You got your spiritual why, right? I, I want to I get out of the fat jeans and get into the skinny jeans, and I know how I'm going to do it, right? I'm going to work out. I'm going to run every day. I'm going to do whatever it is. You got your how, and you got your why. But, but, you know, here's the thing, right? It's not simply behavior modification, right? Spiritual transformation uh, is the goal, right? And so for real change to, takes place, uh, to take place, it requires uh, some spiritual hows and spiritual whys, right? Because it's not just behavior modification, right? It's spiritual transformation. So you need something beyond just a physical or external how or why. You actually need a spiritual why, and you need a spiritual how. Because that's what we're after, right? We're after a spiritual transformation, Right? And so your spiritual, tra- your spiritual why, the reason why you're going to do or change, um, has to be rooted in the purposes of God. Right? It's rooted in the purpose, and the spiritual how is, is rooted in God's power working through you. Right? So let, let's talk a little bit about spiritual whys, right? how this plays out. So some of you, um, some of you, um, you know, spend a lot of time in your phones. It's just kind of in the nature of, our, 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 of the world that we live in, right? We spend a lot of time in social media. Uh, and maybe, I, I don't know if you know this, but you can actually um, have your phone notify you on how much time you're actually spending on your phone. Anyone use that app? It's healthy. You should do it, right? And so maybe you got a notification last week that you spent uh, 45 hours on your phone, which seems like a lot, but you know that that's the average the Americans spend on their phones a week? 40 to 50 hours a week, like just on screen time, uh, which is ridiculous. You know, that's a lot of time on your phone, right? I mean, think about it. That's almost like two days, like, on your phone, in front of your phone. So you're, so you're thinking, okay, man, um, I, I probably shouldn't spend any, that much time on my phone. Why? I, I would ask you, and you say, well, I just, it's not good for me. You know, the, the whole blue screen thing, my eyes get fuzzy. It's just not good for me, right? Uh, that's, 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 that's an external reason, and it's okay. But, but might I submit to you that there's actually a deeper reason why you shouldn't spend so much time on your phone. If you think about it, it's like uh, the spiritual why would be, well, think about it. God has called us to, to love people, right? That we love God and we love people. And if I'm spending a good portion of my week in front of a screen, you know, scrolling on eye candy on Instagram or, or amusing videos on TikTok, right? That means I can't be present with the people that God has put me uh, in front of me. So I can't, if I'm not present, I can't actively love them, right? And so because I want to love people, and I want to honor God by loving people, now I'm going to have a spiritual reason to spend less time on my phone. And, and here, here's the deal, right? Uh, a spiritual why will, will take you a lot further than any external reason for change. 
right? To have a spiritual why behind it. So, so for, uh, apply this to just about any area of change. So maybe you, you want to change, uh, you, you know, you, you, you've got you're 10, 15 pounds overweight, and you're like, man, this year I'm going to change. I'm going to drop those extra 10, 15, 20 pounds, whatever it is. And, and yes, why? Because I want to go to the beach, and I want to pull off my shirt, and I want to have a six-pack, you know? Or I want to look good in a bikini. I don't know whatever motivates you ladies, but, uh, you know, what, whatever that is, right? I mean, th- that's, that's an okay reason. But what if you actually put a spiritual component to that reason? The reason I want to be healthy is because, uh, you know, this body of mine, this is actually the temple of God. So I want to pay attention to how I take care of God's temple. I I want to pay attention to what I'm eating and what I'm putting into the temple. Or or maybe the the spiritual why is, you know, this body, it's the only one I've got. And and, and so if I'm going to be the husband that God has called me to be, if I'm going to be the father, the pastor, whatever it is that you do, if you're going to be the person God wants to be, I'm going to have to take care of this body. And if I want to be the grandfather that I hope, praise God willing, I will one day be, I better take care of this body, right? Because I don't want to be worn out playing with my grandkids when I'm 65, right? I want to be healthy. I want to be strong. That's a very compelling spiritual reason. And that spiritual why will take you a lot further than any external reason wanting a six-pack or whatever other, uh, you know, physical reasons we might have for wanting to get in shape. So the spiritual why is critically important. Apply this to your finances, right? You, you might be saying, well, I, I'm just sick and tired of being broke the whole time. And that's a good reason to kind of get a handle on your finances. But what if a more spell, a compelling spiritual reason would be, I, I want to get a handle on my finances because I truly believe that everything that I have belongs to God. And God has called me to be a good steward so that not only can I pay my bills, but I can actually, can actually be a financial blessing to the people around me, to my family members, to my neighbors, to, to my community, that I might have financial margins so that I can be a blessing to others. That's a far more compelling reason than simply just wanting to pay your bills, right? Or, or wanting to gain more extra material things. Like the spiritual why is incredibly, incredibly important. And in fact, it will take you a lot further than any external reason, right? And so, uh, spiritual transformation is, you know, is the goal, right? And so in order for spiritual transformation to happen, right, it has to be what? Spiritual, right? So you have to have a spiritual why attached to that. You have to have a spiritual how attached to that. And so let's talk a little bit about the spiritual how. I love what Zechariah, the prophet, what the Lord says to the, uh, the prophet Zechariah. In Zechariah 4, 6, he says this. It is not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Right? So, so real change, right? For anything to effectively change in our life, we can't simply rely on might and power and willpower. right? But it's actually the spirit of God working through us that, that affects real meaningful change in our lives. And so, uh, this is what Paul says, right? It's not me, right? It's God's grace through me. God's grace was not without effect in my life. So the way to change is to allow the power of God to work through us. And so we have to connect our spiritual why, right? The reasons why we're wanting to change uh, to a spiritual how. So here's, here's one way. This is, this is kind of helpful for me, right? Um, uh, you know, define your spiritual why. It's really important because that's actually going to take you a lot further than any external motivation, um, so define your spiritual why and then figure out the spiritual how. Now, one of the things that, that is so important, we'll talk about this next week, is um, 
you know, I do what I do because what I think of me, right? And so my mindset, my thoughts about what I think about me um, my, uh, impact the way I behave and my actions. And so one of the ways that, that, that the Scripture encourages us is to, to be transformed is by, by renewing our minds, Right? The way we think about ourselves primarily and think about God in relation to ourselves. And so there are, are so many wonderful scriptures um, that, that, that will speak God's truth into your life. Now, if you're anything like me, uh, you know, like we, we have a lot of self-talk. You know, anyone kind of like have self-talk things you say about yourself, right? For me, unfortunately, some of it is not always positive, right? Some of it is like, yeah, you know, you, you're always this way or you always do that. And a lot of it is rooted in kind of what is was said over me as a young child, right? Or um, maybe even some lies that I believe to be true about myself. And that begins to impact the way I form. And so over the years, I've, I, as I've kind of um, spent time in God's Word, I've allowed God's Word to begin to shape what I think about myself in relation to God. And there are some incredible scriptures what God says about me and says about you in Christ, right? That you are more than a conqueror in Christ. That, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That you are seated uh, in heavenly places. That you have access to every spiritual blessing. And so reminding yourself of who God says you are oftentimes is a very powerful way of accessing the how of, of real and meaningful change. So um, I know this might say like, I always thought that kind of like speaking affirmation of yourself was a little goony. And, um, you know, it might be depending on what you say. But I think there's some things that you can really say of yourself that are helpful. So here's a powerful statement um, that I think is really really good. And maybe over, over the next weeks, you can try to use this as a reminder of, of, of the reality of who God is in you. So here's a statement. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. All right. Can we say that together on the count of three? All right. One, two, three, go. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. And you can apply this to just about every area of your life where you desire change. So for instance, um, by nature, I am not a disciplined person. I've just, just like, I'm, I'm not. But I know that God has called me to be disciplined in, in so many areas of my life. Like, if I want to be healthy and strong so I can actually enjoy my grandkids at 65, because that's looking at the way it's going, it's probably going to be 65. It might even be 70 at this point. Um, you know, I'm going to have to be disciplined and be physical, right? And so I can affirm that. You know, and by faith, I can say I'm disciplined, right? Which is not true. But in faith, I can say that. I'm disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me, right? And it's just a helpful way of reminding myself like, the, the, that there is a power greater than myself that brings about the change. This is allowing the power of God to work through me, right? It doesn't mean I relinquish my responsibility, but it reminds me that there's a greater power at work, right? It is Christ working through me that is stronger than the wrong desires in me, right? And, and so uh, this is something that, that, that I can say regularly. I'm disciplined. Even though, you know, if you looked at my life yesterday, probably not that disciplined, but I can, I can still affirm it. I'm disciplined. Christ in me in faith is stronger than, than the wrong desires in me. And you can apply it to every area of your life, right? So um, for, for many uh, men, kind of like um, lust is a big thing, right? I mean, we just kind of, and we live on Maui. So like, I, I love walking on the beach. You can't walk on the beach nowadays without seeing like half-naked bodies everywhere, right? And so I've had to kind of transform my mind in regard to how I approach that, right? And so I would say like, I'm pure, right? 
I, you know, I, I'm pure. Christ's power in me is stronger than the wrong desire in me, right? And so I walk down the beach, and I've got blinders on. I'm like, I've made a covenant with my eyes, right? I'm not going to look at anything less free. So if you ever pass me walking on the beach, I love walking on Baltimore Beach, I might not even be looking at you, and you go like, Pastor Sean, he's rude. He didn't even say hello. No, no, I'm going like, I'm disciplined. I'm pure. I'm like, I put blinders on my eyes because the power of God, right, working in me, right, uh, it is greater, is greater, right, than the wrong desires in me. And I have to remind myself of that. I have to kind of reaffirm that daily, regularly. So, so, so maybe that, that might be helpful for you. The, the, the power of God, right, is stronger, right, working through you than the wrong desires that you might have, whether it is uh, eating or, or lust or financially, whatever those desires are. You can apply that to every area of your life, right? I love what, what, what the Apostle Paul says to the Philippian church. He says, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power, right? He's working in you, giving you the desire, which is crazy, right? You know, the, 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 the desires of Christ in you are greater than the wrong desires, right? God is giving you the right desires to do the things that please Him. And His power is working through you. Right? That, that's the power to change. Knowing that there's a greater power than you actively working in you. So Paul would say, man, you know, I'm the least of the apostles, right? I'm the guy who struggles to do the right thing constantly. But God's grace is not without effect, right? God's power is working through me. So by God's grace, I am what I am. I've been empowered to be the person that God has called me to do because there's a greater power than myself at work here. And here, here, here's the point, right? This is powerful. Just jot this down. We'll kind of unpack this more and more as the weeks go by. Real change is not about trying. Real change is about trusting. Come on. Real change is not about trying harder. It's about trusting the power of God at work through you. By trusting the word of God, who God declares to be true about you, that you are called to be holy because he is holy. You are called to be self-controlled because the spirit of God resides in you and the fruit of the spirit is self-control, right? You're called to be faithful and steadfast and all those things are actively available to you and allowed to work through you by the power and the grace of God, right? The same grace that saved you is the grace that changes you working through you. So, um, what's your spiritual why, right? Why are you wanting to change, right? You have to root it because it's about not behavior modification. It's about spiritual transformation. In order for that to happen, it has to be spiritual, right? You need a spiritual why, and you need a spiritual how, and the spiritual how is not about you trying harder. It's not about your willpower because it's not about external change. This is about spiritual transformation, and so it's not about trying, it's about trusting. Um, so, here's a question, right? Why do we struggle to change? Why do so many of us still struggle to change? You know, why do so many of us feel so frustrated and worn out? Like when we know we're trying to, you know, God has called us to be a certain way, but we still kind of fall into these old habits and these old patterns. Why do we struggle to change? Why are you still procrastinating when God has called you to be organized and kind of like honored and, and to move forward, but you just keep cycling back into these old habits, right? Why are you still holding on to unforgiveness, right? When you know that God has called you to forgive as you have been forgiven, right? And why are you still walking around holding a grudge and resentment towards people? Like, why do we struggle 
to become the people that God has called us to be? Why do we struggle to change? You know, and honestly, uh, there are a lot of reasons, right? And, and we'll talk about some of those, right? And um, a lot of secondary reasons. But there's really one primary reason, right? And the, and the primary problem really is a spiritual problem. Uh, you know, the reason you haven't changed, the reason I struggle to change um, is in most cases, right? Uh, we, we haven't yet, right, changed because we haven't allowed the, God, uh, the grace of God to change us. In other words, we're still looking to, to external things, right? Something else other than, the God, than God's grace to meet a need or to, or, or to heal a hurt or something that is kind of keeps cycling us back into these patterns of life that we know are negative. Because you haven't, you, you, you haven't yet leaned into the grace of God and you're looking to external things to, to be a motivation or a source of that power to change. Same grace that saved you is the grace that changes you. So this is why the Apostle Paul says, right, he says in, in Corinthians, right, he says that, uh, actually the Lord says to the Apostle Paul, he says, my grace is what? It's sufficient, right? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, God is saying, my grace is what you need, right? You can't look to external things. If you're looking to anything else to, to, to help you change, right, or to heal or hurt, other than the grace of God, it's just going to eventually get a full flat. But God says, my grace is sufficient. You see, change begins internally, right? It, it, it begins with a change of heart and a change of mindset, a change of belief. And this is what God is after. He's, he's, he's after that internal change rather than simply external behavior modification. And so, and so, so God says to, to, to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul's response is this. Listen to this. This is so powerful. He says, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. God, if your power right, is made perfect in weakness then man, let me just embrace my weaknesses, right? Let me just acknowledge them. Let me stop hiding them. Let me stop being embarrassed by them. Let me stop being ashamed by them, but simply embrace them and acknowledge them for what they are. Because this is not, not, not God than me. This is not God not me. No, no, this is God through me. And God's grace is not gonna be without effect. It was not without effect in Paul's life, and it's not gonna be without effect in your life. So stop struggling, right? So st stop struggling to, to hide it or to be embarrassed by those areas of weaknesses. If you're like 20 pounds overweight and you want to change, own it. Just like, man, I'm 20 pounds overweight. And, and like, man, I can't do anything. I keep trying and I keep doing the things. I don't need God. I need your power working through me. I need your power working through me. God's strength is perfected in our weakness. You know, and, it, and it's funny, you know, um, Alcoholics Anonymous, the 12 steps, right? They, they, they found this principle really early. It's the very first step in the 12-step process, right? And it's not like, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous came up with this. This is rooted in God's Word, in His Scripture, right? That firstly, you have to acknowledge the fact that you are powerless to change in and of yourself. That we need the power of God working through us. That God's grace is sufficient. And so we have to be, acknowledge our weakness. We have to acknowledge where we need help. You know, here's, here's reality, right? Jesus did not come to make you a better version of you, right? 
And, and so you trying to simply be a better version of you is not the process. That simply will lead to behavior modification, right? But real change is not about behavior modification. It's about spiritual transformation. Jesus came to make you something brand new, right? You are a new creation in Christ, right? And so you have to let go of the old. You have to acknowledge the old is not working, and you have to acknowledge your weakness to change in and of your own power, and you have to lean into the grace of God. And that doesn't mean you relinquish your responsibility in that process. Paul says, no, no, I worked harder than anyone else. I gave all the effort to it, but it was not me alone. It was God's grace working through me. And therein is the power to change, right? You know, the Scripture says, for freedom's sake, for freedom's sake, Christ has set you free, right? Do you believe that? That for freedom's sake, Christ has actually set you free. The old patterns of behavior, the old um, addictions, and all those things that keep cycling you back into the life that you hate, right? That you know you ought to be different in. But somehow you just can't seem to break the power of those bad habits, God's grace is sufficient. The same grace that saved you is the grace that will change you. For freedom's sake, Christ has set you free. And if the Son sets you free, right, you are free indeed. Do you believe that? If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. So if you believe that, would you do this? Would you stand to your feet right now? Would you stand to your feet and, and allow me to pray for us in this process of change and transformation as we journey together over the next six weeks? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your goodness and your grace in our lives. I thank you that you are a God of redemption, that you are a God that has come not simply to make us a better version of ourselves, but indeed, Lord, you are a God that has come to redeem us and change us and to make us into something brand new. We are being transformed moment by moment, day by day, glory to glory into the very image of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, this process, uh, it requires more than ourselves. You have called us and invited us to partner with you in this process of change. But ultimately, your grace is sufficient for us. And the same grace that has saved us is the grace that will change us. And so, Lord, help us in this process, Lord, over these next six weeks as we, as we look to put some very practical handles on this, Lord. I pray that you would give us the wisdom and the courage and the willingness to just um, own our, our weakness in this process and to lean into your grace, which is indeed sufficient. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do this, Lord, ultimately for your glory and for our joy. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.